This is a favorite poem of mine. It's by Anne Weems. It's a Linton poem that I want to use as an opening to my talk. A Linton poem by Anne Weems. Lent is a time to take time to let the power of our faith story take hold in us. A time to let the events get up and walk around in us. A time to intensify our living into Christ. A time to hover over the thoughts of our hearts. A time to place our feet in the streets of Jerusalem or to walk along the sea and listen to his word. A time to touch his robe and feel the healing surge through us. A time to ponder and a time to wonder. Lent is a time to allow a fresh new taste of God. Perhaps we're afraid to have time to think, for thoughts often come unbidden. Perhaps we're afraid to face our future knowing our past. Give us courage, O oh God, to hear your word and to read our living into it. Give us the trust to know we're forgiven and give us the faith to take up our lives and to walk. Amen. In this chapter of Luke, we find several parables that we hear just about every year in one way or another. Karen read the parable of the sheep, of the shepherd and the lost sheep. And then she read a parable of just about three verses uh, about a woman and her lost coin. Immediately following in a parable that she didn't read is a parable of the lost son. We're going to focus on the parable of the lost coin this morning. Let's see if we can look at this story with fresh eyes and look carefully for God's something new. When talking about this series of parables, commentators often describe the woman and her coins as a sandwich parable. Uh, a little something squeezed in between two heftier parables. But I find that it has just as powerful a message as the other two that so many others focus on. Perhaps Jesus told these three differing parables so that people across the ages might find themselves and their own struggles within at least one of them because the essence of each story is the same. God will pour out everything in search of one single human being. There's an intimacy in these parables, the same kind of int intimacy that is sounded when we're told that God cares about the sparrows and numbers the hairs on our heads. Intimacy, concern, loving for every single human being. Whereas in our world, we're conditioned to believe that everything's finite and that love, just like any other commodity, is limited. But Jesus comes along to tell us it's not. God's love is unlimited, infinite, beyond our wildest imagination. So turning to this parable that we have here this morning, picture an older woman living alone in a small abode of some sort. 
one of several in a crowded little village street. We'll imagine that she's a kindly old gal who gets on with very little. Her days consist maybe of sewing, cooking, and conversation with her neighbors. Though lacking in money, she does have a wee little bit to see her through her years. Ten precious silver coins that are of great value to her. And then one day, amazingly, one is missing. Jesus presented this scenario in just a couple of verses. What woman, having ten coins, if she loses one, does not search, sweep the house completely and search for that one coin? And then when she finds it, she rejoices and she celebrates and she asks everybody to come and celebrate with her that finding of that one coin. Kenneth Bailey, an expert on ancient Middle Eastern lifestyle, says that coin money wasn't at all common among such peasants. The peasant village is to a large extent self-sufficient, self-supporting, making their own cloth, growing their own food. Cash is a really rare commodity. Hence, losing one coin is a far greater value in a peasant home than a day's labor, than the day's labor that it represents monetarily. In any case, we can see that this woman missing that one coin would be a terrible loss to her. I'm sure that all of you have lost something precious in your life. Perhaps you can relate to this one in mine, and Maggie can hide her face at this point. When my girls were little, Maggie loved to play hide-and-seek. And when we were in a mall, that wasn't the greatest idea. But one day, we were walking through, I think it was Macy's, actually, and I'm chatting away, and I had let go of her hand, and all of a sudden, I realized that she is missing. She's not there. I look behind me, I look around me, she is not there. The panic starts to build in me. I cannot find her scooting down the aisles every which way she is not there. So I start yelling for help. Please help me, my daughter is missing. Please help me. Close the doors. We've got to find my daughter. And then as I was just about ready to go into full out panic if I wasn't already, I heard this little rustle behind me, this little giggle. And I turned and I focused on where that giggle was coming from and I went over and I parted the clothes on this circular rack, you know? And there, tucked around the middle post, was my little girl looking up at me like, yay, you found me. Well, you know, I won't say what happened at that point. Um, other than I was just absolutely elated to find her and I did want to jump up and down and celebrate that she was there and I also wanted to tell her that not to do that again. Um, I knew that I would find her. I would turn that store upside down. I would go up and down every single place in that mall. I would search for her until I found her because she was indeed and still is precious to me. 
And so it is with our God. Each and every one of us are precious in God's sight. Such is the story that we have before us with this parable of the, the woman. We can imagine the shock when she found her coin missing. She turned that house upside down, and then she found it, and she wanted to celebrate. How do we know this is true with our God? Because Jesus tells us so over and over again in so many different ways, trying to pound it into us, that very message that we are precious in God's sight, down to the hairs on our head, even perhaps more so when we go astray. Metaphorically, when we become that one coin that was lost, when we act in ways that are not how we know God would want us to act, from little untruths that we catch ourselves in to the huge life-shattering ones that occasionally come along and bite us. We are loved just as we are, and we're called to share that love with others, all others. You know, we're in the early days of this uh, upcoming election cycle, and I have to say that this is one of the most dreaded times in my life, not because of the freedom that we have to elect the people who represent us. I love that part of it but because of who we can't become as a people as those days of an election cycle press on. People tend to say, and very often do, things that are intensely hurtful, questioning intelligence, questioning a right to love someone, question even the right to live in some cases. People in the last presidential election behaved abominably in, in my mind. They assaulted people at rallies. They mocked people and scorned people. Those sorts of situations and those we find right here in our homes and our communities makes it really obvious how intensely difficult it is to realize that God seeks out all people, all people on every single side of every single issue, just the same as you and me. Yet how easy it is to fall into those ugly behaviors that we see when we're dealing with something that we don't like and we oftentimes reciprocate in kind. In reading today's scripture, I paused and thought, maybe in this moment, God would prefer us to go to work sweeping and shining light and hoping that those who are so far removed from God's ways, and indeed our ways when we reciprocate in ugly ways, so that we all might be found. Maybe God would prefer us to step into the fire and engage in civil discourse to set an example of what can be rather than behaving in ways that create further division. It's become increasingly obvious to me in my life that we can't change viewpoints by calling people names or by mocking or pushing or shoving. But when we meet up with that in others, it's so tempting to respond in similar ways. I know that. To ramp up the argument, either that or to shut down 
and let the bully have their way. So going back to our little parable, can any of us say in good conscience that we're always one of those nine coins? That we're always the, all those righteous souls that, is, that aren't lost? You know, I won't speak for you, but I fully, <laughs> I fully know that I struggle each day to shine through. I struggle to be found. I struggle to stay found. But I do know that when I turn to God, God celebrates my being found. So too, every other human being. We are each and every one of us that lost coin that God continually searches for and wants to find. That one that God is continually sweeping the floors for, moving the clutter out of the way, shining a light so that we can be seen and found. In this Lenten season, before you engage in any action or reaction to what's going on in our world, ask yourself why you're about to do whatever it is you're about to do or say. Perhaps the sort of thing Jesus would prefer us to give up for Lent is our certainty that we're always the ones who are right. Or maybe our tendency when we feel that way to badmouth the other, to belittle or discredit rather than behave as Jesus would want us to do and behave. Or maybe our laziness are not engaging in being a part of the solution to the problems that we see. Long ago, a wise counselor suggested to me that when I was about to do or say something, to ask myself, is it going to be constructive or destructive? You know, here at this church, we say, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're welcome here. Notice that we don't caveat that by saying, as long as you agree with us about this or that, as long as your abilities are the same as mine, as long as your life is going along swimmingly as mine is, as long as you vote for the right political party or support a particular stance, we don't say as long as your gender identity with the body, as long as you gender identify with the body parts you were born with. We repeat that phrase because we know deep in our hearts that even those we disagree with most emphatically are those that God struggles to find, the same way God is always struggling to find us. And we can do no less because whenever we react in kind, we're no less lost than anyone else. And God is there to find us. So let me close by repeating the final words of the prayer of Ann Weems that I opened with. Give us courage, O God, to hear your word and to read our living into it. Give us the trust to know that we're forgiven and give us the faith to take up our lives and walk. Amen.